Thank you for clicking on Shark Brain, Episode 7. I'm Jake Newton, your host. Today on the show, we've got Brent Pulse, singer-songwriter and graphic designer from out of Chicago, Illinois. Met him through our mutual friend Jason Kanakis. He actually designed the Kill the Past record that I put out recently, which incidentally is available in physical form at jakenewton.com. Oh my gosh, did I do that? Did I get a plug in? for my own record within 30 seconds. Look, Ma, I'm getting into the marketing thing. And people said that I wasn't able to. I'm defying the odds. Well, we'll get back to Brent. But first, I wanted to talk about fall. I wanted to talk about Los Angeles's weird tacit relationship with seasons. And I'm doing that in air quotes. Tried wearing a cardigan yesterday and after I burst into flames and nearly passed out from heat exhaustion... I decided that it would be another two weeks and that I only own one pair of shorts. Talk about not leaning and embracing where you live. But that's just me. I think that I'm I'm a fall and winter person, but without the patience or fortitude to suffer under conditions of, say, the Midwest. I've been starting to read Robert Frost, which is how you can tell that it's fall. I start reading Robert Frost and start debating whether or not I actually want to rent the movie Hocus Pocus with Bette Mittler and Sarah Jessica Parker. You know, the one about the witches with the cute little kids that run from them. I don't know why that movie is quintessentially fall to me. That and Ernest Scared Stupid. Yes, I was considering actually watching Ernest Scared Stupid with my finite amount of time on this earth. I was going to allocate an hour and a half of that with of my own personal volition. It wasn't wasn't required. It wasn't um wasn't uh, some sort of community service or jury duty type activity. I was actually going to do it of my own free will. Luckily I talked myself out of it. Show went wonderful last night. It was great. Crowd was great. Thank you for those of you who came out. For those of you who didn't, don't worry. There's plenty of shows coming up which we will be announcing soon. Ugh, what else? Wrote this week with a couple of professional songwriter friends. Something that I don't do a whole lot of. I've done in the past a bit. I'm not a complete neophyte when it comes to co-writes and that sort of a thing. But many times I do like to turn my songwriting into personal therapy time and uh, blend a lot of my unspoken needs and desires into my work. But making things with friends, you have to actually (laughs) explain where your ideas are coming from, and they have to really stand on their own two feet, those ideas, before they even actually make it onto the page. It's a a lot harder. It's a bit more of a crucible. And you're actually making a song and, and crafting it in such a way that feels much more like the physical world of crafting something. So... To give an allegory, because I'm really good with those, it's almost as if you're when you're writing alone, many times it can feel like you're trying to make shapes in clouds, and it's just this very ethereal, um, self-satisfying, or rather maybe self-masturbatory thing. But then when you're writing with other people, it has to be firm and work and serve a purpose, like a canoe. But it turns out great. I'm very happy with it. And uh, we're going to work a little bit more probably on the production of that next week. I'll let you know when you guys can hear it or where you can hear it. Of course, because, as I mentioned before, I'm getting pretty good at marketing. I'm just going to say. Just going to throw that out here. Also this week, I was working on a Nickelodeon video game for little kids called Monkey Quest. For those of you who follow me, know that I've done it before, but this time I actually scored the lead character part for it so I was sitting there for six hours saying funny things like press P to enter the name of your character you have to do all kinds of things to make money to make the ends meet in the 21st century and I am not above pretending to be a series of monkeys and animals for children I will dance I will dance to the tune of that song here we have Brent Pulse the conversation kind of meanders a bit, but in the best kinds of ways. The leapfrogging from one idea to the next. A couple of smarty pants dudes who have the inability to stand up for themselves, both talking to each other and commiserating, but also laughing heartily. Brent got me a couple times on this, and I, I have to admit, it did feel good to have such a great chuckle. So have a listen. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
In the Shark Brain Laboratories, we have Brent Pulse, a singer-songwriter. Hey, oh, you just got shocked. You didn't know we were actually going. Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. It'll be painless. I had to look at the little waves forming. In their little, uh, oh, yes. I'm in, in the Laffy Toffy. Yes. Dude, so you are from Chicago. Yes. Born and raised. Science fact. Born and raised? Uh, actually, no. I was born in Toledo, Ohio. Oh, wow. Which is um, an absolutely shit-tacular city. Yeah. Um, sorry, Mom. Uh, she, she's still there. But I moved at a young age in with my father, who is in Chicago. So I pretty much mm. grew up there. Um, okay. Uh, sort of in Lakeview. I was listening to uh, your conversation with Austin mm-hmm. earlier, um, and uh, he corrected himself. He said he grew up in Chicago, and then he stopped himself and said, no, I grew up just outside the city. Uh-huh. It's a very key distinction. Yeah. Well, the stories that I've heard from you, they don't sound like they're outside the city. They sound like you're in some weird sort of... Uh, post-apocalyptic Larry Clark movie uh, uh, in Chicago. As far as you growing up in Chicago, oh itself. yeah, yeah, oh yeah. That's well, that's that's why you need to make that distinction because uh, in the suburbs, you know, uh, like where Austin grew up, I think it's much more what pe- people picture. I think, mm-hmm. and in Chicago, it's yeah. We were. Uh, you ever seen the movie Kids? Yeah, it was, that's it was the Larry like that. Clark thing. Yeah, the yeah. whole just. You know, little maggots exactly. running through the streets. It, it really was that. Like, we were all a bunch of assholes doing a bunch of drugs, skateboarding, getting into fights, and, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Did you grow up... You Would you grow up specifically listening to the kind of music that you make right now? Or? Oh, no, not at all. No. Um, I, I was... I You know, I, I think the first... The, you know, I, I had I had two records when I was like they weren't even records they were reel to reel because I'm old <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, it was Thriller uh-huh. um, and uh, a Bill Cosby comedy thing oh was it I Bill can, Cosby himself it, it was Bill yeah it was uh, two to Russell, my brother with whom I slept, oh. which I now have memorized oh, wow. um, because uh, you know I had nothing else to listen to. I had the album Why Is There Air on uh, vinyl. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, they're terrible and <laughs> hilarious. Um, uh, and my Bill Cosby impression is still awful. Mm. But uh, the first record I think I ever bought was Run DMC's Raising Hell. Really? In fifth grade. Oh, that, man. that came out. So it was nothing but hip hop for me. It was like... Uh, it was Run DMC in a band called Boogie Down Productions mm-hmm. and... Uh, and you know just old school hip hop and then i didn't start listening to i thought if you played an instrument you were immediately like a hippie and gay okay yeah like yeah. that just made you so you you rolled pretty hard in in the 80s in chicago it was pretty much like the only thing really happening for you was hip hop oh yeah that yeah. that was it that mm-hmm. was um it was uh, it, it was a lot of, you know, then it sort of transitioned into like native tongues, hip hop, which was all, which was, you know, the stuff all the white kids liked, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was like Dallas, but we still thought we were cool cause we listened to hip hop. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I ever listened to a, a, a band. I put that in quotes mm-hmm. like, um, for real until probably like junior year of high school, junior year of high school. Yeah, that long. I had, yeah. I've been sampling, you know, I've gotten into hip hop and I've been, um, doing, lots of um you know djing and sampling and mm-hmm. uh and writing and uh rapping yes i uh, rapping yes, i said it yeah there it is um yes i was <laughs> what was te- your i was a teenage white rapper what was your uh, rapper name um it, it changed a few times uh-huh. uh for a while it was non non just n-o-n not n-a-n Ooh, i like it yeah yeah thanks there, there were a lot of puns i could make it with it it was concise man yeah uh <laughs> and for a while i decided i would start i got really into nerd rap and i started calling myself cardboard box Cardboard box. Yep. Okay. Just, just for no reason. I, I I can dig on that. Yeah, I was very into you know non sequitorial nerd rap. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever heard of Paul Barman? No. Have you ever heard of Atmosphere? No. I have heard of Atmosphere. Was, have you Have you heard of, like the Gift of Gab kind of a yes, live hold, that yes, whole thing? but less more white, more white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like way nerdier. That's what I always loved about hip hop was I always thought it was um, such a brilliant medium because in the writing it was. Consistently, it had such a broad lexicon mm-hmm. of like self-referential work that if you were like versed in the medium, mm-hmm. you would, uh, you, you know, you could make so many more complicated references and statements, you know, because you could you could quote something from a previous hip hop song and mm-hmm. everybody would know what you were saying. Yeah, uh, but your quote could be, you know, a commentary on how it was used in context in the previous song yeah. and how you were using it, you know. So and that probably like, feels like, that felt really good to do because it was this kind of dopamine sense of belonging that you had. You had the, your own lexicon that was hyper-specialized in a very small sliver of subculture that would that had its own its own language, and that it, probably felt like belonging to something. It, yeah, exactly. And yeah. this was, this is, this is back when we used to differentiate hip-hop 
between hip hop and rap, uh-huh. you know, and so, and hip hop was never popular then. It was, you know, hip hop was always underground, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Boogie Down Productions was always, you know, like we all knew who they were, but like nobody in the mainstream, you know, everybody knew who MC Hammer was, but you yeah. know, that was rap. But was, was it centric around Chicago, a lot of these bands, or was this just, was it kind of international? I think it around? was mostly, uh, I, I think most of what we were listening to was all New York stuff. Yeah. Um, and there was, a, there was a lot of that happening in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And Chicago's hip hop scene, I think, probably leaned more towards the New York end than the West Coast end. But, um, you know, with the, you know, this is pre internet, really. Or, yeah. you know, the internet was there, but, you know, people... You know, people were hanging phones up on the cradle and, and <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, sending yeah. sending code back and forth. Yes. They, were, they were still, like, communicating on how to build the thing, not yeah. necessarily sharing records over it. Yeah, exactly. There, there wasn't... There still weren't search engines. Like, mm-hmm. you used to have to, like, to go to a place, you used to have to know what you wanted and have to type it specifically in because you couldn't, like... You forget a semicolon or a forward slash and then you're just done. You're just, like, hoping and looking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I didn't listen to any. Yeah, I didn't listen to any played music until very specifically. And I'm sorry, mom, if you're listening to this. Um, I was shrooming uh-huh. um, <laughs> in my junior year of high school. I'll never forget this. And I was, I was, and having a terrible time. There was mm-hmm. a bad scene, and I uh, went to my friend Alex's house, and I said, "Alex, you got to help me. I'm freaking out." Mm-hmm. Uh, and he very calmly leads me uh, into his room, puts on headphones, turns off the lights, and presses play on abbey road and walks out wow and that was the first time i had ever listened to like any rock and roll wow and and so i listened to the entire album of abbey road front to back tripping balls tripping balls uh in the dark with my eyes shut i swear by the time like her majesty came on i was i was like bawling i was was, was like oh my god that's the most beautiful thing i've ever heard in my life oh and then you were sold man. yeah totally i I, literally the next day i bought every single beatles record and really just had it on repeat on my Discman, Discman. I, yeah. I think was it Discman or Walkman? Then I think I don't it's, know. yeah, yeah, roughly Discman. by Discman. Yeah, yeah in 94. You were probably Discman. That was when yeah. they were like they were square. You know, <laughs> it was a circle. It was a circle disc that they put in a square. Yeah, it was yeah. Very, yeah, yeah, exactly. Very geometric. Yeah. Wild, dude. Wild. So it took you that long to kind of get into bands. Yeah, and I didn't start. So after that, I um, I picked up a a, a guitar and. <laughs> <laughs> the guitar I got, so my, my stepfather gave me a guitar. He was in a band in, in high school and he gave me this acoustic he had, but this acoustic had like fallen in, in Lake Michigan <laughs> and retrieved it. So the action was like, you know, you had to have like yeah. hands of steel. You yeah. had to like, you had to use like clamps. To, yeah. You know? You're a United steel worker. Yeah. You're like <laughs> yeah. Having to clamp the thing down. Now. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, I, so I would practice on that thing, but it was like, uh, but it was so te- it's so much hard work. Punishing, like, yeah. yeah um, that I learned, I figured out, you know, like Rocky Raccoon, and then I stopped. Uh-huh. I was like, all right, this is this is way too hard. And a friend of mine happened to have a saxophone, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, this is cool. And I started playing that, and it turns out I can pick up instruments really quickly. So I started playing saxophone and flute and clarinet mm-hmm. and piano and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, this is so much more fun. I can actually play the music instead of sam- having to sample it. Did you get involved in anything involved with a high school band or anything like that? No. Completely no, no, avoided no. I it? never, yeah, I had never taken any lessons mm-hmm. and never um, played. Like right after that, um, probably two years, I, I was probably like 19, I started uh, uh, the band that I was in for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, oh, before yeah. we get into that, I wanted to go back just a little bit. Like uh-huh. growing up, uh-huh. you, you started out, you born in Toledo. Mm-hmm. Do you, when did you move to Chicago? Uh, I was twelve, and 11, or, eleven or twelve. Okay, it was it was before it was like fifth grade. So you had a whole like your youngest most formative years in Toledo. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. And there was we grew up in um, we grew up in two different neighborhoods. First neighborhood was um, an all white neighborhood with uh, like one black kid. Mm-hmm. His name was Jesse. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good memory. Um, and uh, he was the head of the of the uh, Jackson Five club that was there the fan club and, and i got to i got to i got to be in it because i was you know it's a huge fan but um i was like the nerd uh-huh. so i had to be tito oh yeah it was very sad <laughs> and he was michael of yeah oh yeah. of course naturally because yeah, he was the one black kid yeah. <laughs> i don't know i thought it was a fan club but really it's just like a reenactment oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> we used to do the whole thing uh and then i moved uh to this uh neighborhood called the old west end and i was one out of like five white kids uh-huh. uh and uh yeah, like that's where I started to really get into hip hop. Okay, you know, probably f- fourth, fifth grade, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, um, you know, and everybody, everybody was listening to uh, 
Boogie Down Productions and NWA. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. They're talking about killing people. This mm-hmm. is great. Like I, didn't, I didn't know what any of that shit meant, you know? And no. I, was, I, I, I can quote Easy es entire record front mm-hmm. to back. And like, I, I just think back and I'm like, God, at the time, there's no way I knew what any of this shit. Right. And how terrified you'd be as a parent listening to a young I know. child. I know. I imagine, God, if, you know, one of my kids now was listening to that, I'd be like, no, turn that shit off. You know, this is, <laughs> That's here's some Chopin. That's very, yeah. that's very yeah, misogynistic. I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh man! And then and then what precipitated the move to Chicago? Just I, honestly, I wanted to be an actor. Um, really? So I and I was like, well, I'm never gonna have an acting career. This is fourth fourth grade, fifth grade. Wow! And I was like, I'm never gonna have an acting. And I was taking acting classes in Toledo, and I was like, I'm never gonna have an acting career. Uh, you know, if you in, don't in Toledo, Ohio, yeah. so uh, I'll move to Chicago where my dad is uh-huh. and, uh, I, I can be successful there. And I, I took acting for years. I just, turns out I really, uh, uh you know, with rare exceptions, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I hate actors. Uh, <laughs> I, I sympathize with that. Absolutely. Yeah. They're just, man. Yeah. A lot of work. There are a lot of work. As yeah. you know. A- absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There, it can be just an arduous task trying to carry on a conversation without getting, yeah. Uh, getting diverted nine different ways or just hearing an impression or it, that. No, it's not the impressions. I, you know, the impressions are great. Whatever. It's the talking about themselves. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's a strange thing because you, you, in acting, you'd considered an arts in, in a lot of ways from, from a, uh, a higher point, you know, looking down upon it's acting. It's an amazing, a, complicated art. Absolutely. Yeah. But it, it attracts the strangest people. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say anything too. You know, because obviously, there are there are gems amongst the the maddening crowd. You know, and I, I was just. I just said. You know, I um. I just said that I don't like actors, and most of my friends are actors, mm-hmm. and I think they're great. Yeah, <laughs> I think. I, yeah, people. I don't like the idea of the act. The actor in my head. You know, yeah. the, the the people that I see on auditions when I'm auditioning yes. as an actor. I. You, it's it's that whole me centric. Anyway, um, yeah, I, and they're all probably like super nice people. Absolutely, who are absolutely super cool, and, and we're all, just judging them yeah. because we're assholes. Well, that or or they've just been there. <laughs> they all have post traumatic stress for trying to get jobs and being rejected all these years. Yeah. <laughs> that could be it. That'll make it's you act tr- a little too. Yeah, yeah. It really is, and yeah. so of course you're going to want to talk to yourself because please, for the love of God, I'm an in- I'm an interesting person. I yeah. don't want to go home again <laughs> with this feeling in my soul. Right. Right. Totally, <laughs> I, you know it's it's got to be the worst for like commercial auditions and that kind of thing too. Because you right. walk in, they take one look at you mm-hmm. and send you away. They're like, yeah. uh, and no, yeah. There's a I, weird kind of psycholo- psychology that you have to come to with that. Is basically just, listen, I I I can't be shorter. I can't be a different hair color on the fly. Right. Yeah. So. You have to find this weird sort of comfort with yeah yeah, yeah. what you got going on yeah and then also that uh, it's you you have a very specific job to do and um, it is only within your purview to do that thing and then and you've done that you know because you don't get the job doesn't mean that you could have done better it just means that um, they're hiring different people right yeah. right so you moved to Chicago you started you started doing acting you. Did you start to feel repulsed by or repelled by the uh, yeah? Honestly, by the world? I, I said I said all this about actors. Really, mostly it was my insecurity and, <laughs> and my like inability to feel comfortable being rejected. You know, mm-hmm. like I was constantly um, I, I was working some, you know, doing like little things here mm-hmm. and there, and um, a lot of theater. Yeah, and then I finally uh, I just you know after having enough auditions plus. Uh, acting is a very like self-starting, uh, you really have to be motivated mm-hmm. to, unless you have parents who are really like, you know, when you're a kid who are really pushing you, yeah. you know, into something, you have to be a self-starter. You have to say, you know, find out the evidence. It's not like I, I fell into being in a band and working because it's just so much easier to have this group of people that are like, okay, what do we need to do? Yeah. Okay. You know, and, and divvy stuff up. And, Division of labor. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, acting, I just didn't have, I didn't have the motivation, I think, or the, or the, if we're really going to get deep belief in myself that mm. it would, you know, that I like could do it. Cause I would, I would be like, well, I could, you know, try to find another agent, but you know, mm-hmm. uh, why me? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I understand. I sympathize with that entirely. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I, I've often, uh, used about the fact that I just, I'm not a salesman whatsoever. Yeah. I, I and there's a, there's a certain kind of, ooh, me, 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 first person to raise your hand that, um, that comes with getting your name out there and being a successful actor. And, and a lot of, like, and musician and, musician. and, and hell, any art. Really? Hell, yeah. Life. Yeah. Life. Really, you know, like, like yeah. being, being one of the people that actually gets a spot on the, 
life rafts in the Titanic. Yeah. yeah right, then, you know, oh, right. hey, me, you know. Right, right. I'm, I'm always, you know, oh, oh no, it's okay. Oh, okay I don't okay, want okay, to put anybody out. <laughs> there's, that's a weird thing, which is, is strange because there's a sensitivity that people have that is makes us able to write the way we write and to do the oblique, you know, coming around the outside of the box for the idea that right. that that isn't necessarily attuned with that whole me first, gimme, gimme ideology. But in order to actually have ears on the records, to have eyes on the films we make, any of those things, you have to have that thing, which I just think is why managers and agents exist. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, you know, and there are people who can, there are people who are type A who, you know, I admire who mm-hmm. can do that. Um, uh, you know, but to be honest, a lot of those people are better marketers than they are um, artists. Artists, yeah. absolutely. I think there's a blend um, that I guess marketing is an art, so I don't mean to be little marketing. It I, can be. It can also be um, really cold and calculated. You know, because the business side of it can be. I mean, there's morality involved in the whole thing, and morality and truth. And I think blend, bending the truth or bending the truth that is as it's seen for yourself can be a bit can feel a bit morally troublesome to sensitive people yeah and yes marketers, ex- exactly and, and that's why that's why i can't do it yeah yeah because yeah. I, I feel like a dick well i think that i don't know have you thought about the fact that you know perhaps you know low self-esteem the low opinion of yourself which you know causes us to make the art you know to feel better uh-huh. um a lot of those people they have that firewall where that part doesn't talk to the other parts like a separate hemisphere almost in your brain so when that when that hemisphere comes up with this piece of art and brings it up to the fore then the other hemisphere says, "Okay, thanks so much for this. We're going to take this and run with it." And then, and they are able to compartmentalize their brains. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Th- that sort of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I certainly do not have that. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. Oh no, neither do I. I, I, I'm wondering if it, if it can be learned. That's what I've always wondered. I've tried. I've got the books. I, yeah, yeah got totally, the books. totally. I've read the books. Uh-huh. Hasn't done shit for me yet. No, yeah. no, no. Well, do you do you still feel the desire to do it? Do you feel like um, when you go to learn it? Because I have even the sickness of thinking. Well, even if I go to try to learn how to be a better marketer, or to be uh, more forthright, or more Type A, or more um, more forthcoming, more um, more forthright in my life, if I do that, am I going to be lying to myself, or am I going to be one of those assholes? You know. Like, do you, do you have that or, or do you have, cause personally, I think within me, there's the war that I know, and this is what, what's hard. I know that I'm better than some people when those things. Oh, oh yeah. Out. Yeah. That's this, that's the sad thing about, uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm sure, I guess uh, all of artists probably feel this way, but yeah, I'm, I'm terribly insecure about myself, but I'm pretty positive. <laughs> yeah. I'm way better than anybody at everything that has ever existed. <laughs> Go, yeah, The Godfather was a pretty good movie, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but you know what? You give me a crew, <laughs> totally. in six I'm months. I'm like, yeah, under, under, under the right circumstances, you know, I, I could have landed, you know, on on the moon. <laughs> yeah, no, no I big mean, deal. I mean, the guy's name's Buzz. You think I could do better than a dude named Buzz? <laughs> yeah, totally. Neil. Yeah, yeah, Jordan might be pretty good, but yeah. you know what? If I was raised, that you know, way. like yeah, if I if I was yeah forced to live in poverty <laughs> and <laughs> only had basketball as an outlet, right, right. <laughs> give me another give me another six inches on my height I'm yeah, sure I, I could exactly yeah. you know I just wasn't born in the right circumstance and that's a very interesting thing too because you can say to we're yourself, gonna get all Malcolm Gladwell in here oh yeah absolutely guy. dude <laughs> hey you know absolutely I live and breathe that stuff yeah. always looking for a life hack man but uh, no uh, the idea that a uh, different circumstance would change or or, or uh, that uh, any number of, of different factors or that if you were if you could finally begin to start something and do it and you would actually be better but not actually enacting it, I think, is is a weird kind of uh, a pacifying agent that keeps you from having to feel failure and keeps you from having to um, to feel success. Yeah, the successes change as well. You know, there's yeah. there's the, the the different set of problems, the Jay Z Mo Money Mo problems, which isn't grammatically correct, but for these instances, <laughs> we will use it. Yes, uh, yeah, that that it the change is the fearful thing too. Yeah, I. <clears throat> Right, I, I think I, here. Here's my current tangents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you come up with uh, uh, philosophies. Probably, I, I tend to I tend to go probably in like six month segments. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I come up with a new philosophy and I'm like, yes, that's how I'm going to live my life. Oh <laughs> yeah, um, and then I don't actually. The revolving just, ethos. I just keep yeah. dr- drinking and then you know, <laughs> <laughs> waking and up and waking up at noon. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but my current philosophy, should I choose to enact it, is <laughs> is um, that a 
um, you really can't control the circumstances. That really, like, um, broad picture on, on like a quantum level, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's a very fatalistic way to look at things that mm-hmm. we're kind of screwed. And yes, we can, um, uh, you know, do our best to change that, uh, our, our current circumstances, but even our ability to change those current circumstances, including, you know, taking into account apathy, depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, um, and you know motivation willpower uh, and willpower that's that was all built into us from you know not not just genes but like you know uh, all the d- different stimuli we had growing mm-hmm. up as children you know yeah. like that's all um we were handed a set of cards you know mm-hmm. we've been forced it's not to say people shouldn't you know be held accountable for their actions mm-hmm. but uh you know that's that's the hand you're dealt with and you know what you get, like you just have to accept it yeah because uh Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you can fundamentally change yourself. You can fundamentally like change your actions and put yourself in better circumstances. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think, um, you're always going to have this, this is going to sound really fatalistic. And I know people are going <laughs> to yell at me after this and be like, no, you're full of shit. Um, but I, I don't think you can, uh, uh, fundamentally change like your, um, propensity for happiness. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's always, you know, uh, if, if you won the lottery tomorrow and made a bajillion dollars, mm-hmm. you would be happy for a while, but you would have the same anxieties. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would just be directed at different things. Probably odds are when you boiled it down, you would have the same amount of anxiety and depression and mm-hmm. happiness, regardless of whether you're super rich or super poor. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I I would say that uh, left to your own devices, yeah, yeah. I think that that you know, it would be you would just you are still you, um, uh, and you're, wherever you go, there you are. That's you know a pat phrase, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think also um, that you do have the power, even though you've been you've been give, dealt the hand that you've been dealt. You you have the power to rise above it. But that's is is the willpower that that uh, ineffable. Um, ethereal thing that is is you know yeah now <clears throat> i am absolutely willing to accept that everything i just said mm-hmm. may just be me trying to make myself feel better oh. for not getting off, off my ass and practicing today because uh-huh. well, <laughs> i didn't <laughs> listen rationalization I, play, I lied in bed and played candy crush for like <laughs> for like 45 minutes <laughs> listen rationalization uh justification i got a black belt we know our own i can smell it on you that's why we're such good friends yeah yeah exactly no that that is true that is true being able to and that's part with the the perception of being able to um I cannot tell you how many times I've seen successful friends and they've they put in a lot of really, really hard work and uh-huh. they've just gone forward and it's taken maybe a year and a half, two years to get where they've gotten and they're starting to reap the fruits of their efforts. Uh-huh. And I only see the fruits. I don't see their efforts. I have a vague idea of what they've right. had to do, the sacrifices that they've had to make, the long nights, the less sleep, the the tense relationships with friends and, mm-hmm. and spouses and that sort of thing. But I justify it to myself by saying, well, I mean, their parents are rich <laughs> or something. <laughs> right, totally. Or, you know, well, totally. you know, I listen, if my wife, you know, had a high powered job in a corporation like his wife does and was <laughs> able to handle most of the bills and I could just create, well, right. then I would be fine. Yeah, no, all those things play right. a factor. And in reality, there are people who have it far worse than I do yeah. that have made it. It's just a matter of, of getting off the old proverbial ass. And, and then there, there are still people, you know, who wait. Wake up one day, just fall into the right circumstances, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, you know, have a successful music career because they happen to, you know, mm-hmm. be like, "Hey, I'm going to dick around on this," and someone, yeah, you know, like, <clears throat> you know, we, but we can't get mad at that. We no. can't get frustrated at that because no. I. And here's here's the other point of my philosophy that I was going to bring up. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we managed to bring it back. Uh-huh. Way to make a full circle yes. um, is that uh, I forget that I love making stuff. Yeah. Like I, I always have. Ever since I was a little kid, I drew all the time. I got my, you know, my degree in painting. I acted. I write a lot. I, and you know, I for years I've been beating myself up after trying to make it in music for fifteen years. You mm-hmm. know, um, I've learned to hate music. I don't <laughs> listen to music anymore. I don't talk to people about music because I don't. You know, mm-hmm. it, it just causes me anxiety. And yeah. I still make it all the time. But I, you know, like there's just. Uh, but, but when I stop and just enjoy my, I read this Captain Beefheart quote from something on Facebook the other day. And it was something like, if you're thinking about music, then you're doing it wrong. You you should play like you're like a drowning man trying to reach shore. And I was like, (laughs) Oh God bless you. Um, 
And, uh, I, you know, I, I realize that, like, fundamentally, the reason why I do what I do is because I fucking enjoy it. Yeah. And I got to stop trying to worry about making money doing it. You know, if I have to bartend or whatever mm-hmm. to support my music habit, fine. Yeah. And if I, as soon as I start thinking about how I'm going to be successful at it, that's, that's how I've ruined every song that, you know, like mm-hmm. the only songs I, I've ever loved of mine were ones that I wrote that, you know, I just woke up one day and I was like, Hey, this is, you know, yeah. I would like this song. Yeah. You know, this song means something to me. Not like, you know, all the other things that go into your head. Like, can I play this live? Can I bring, you know, like, yeah. would they be able to put this in a dove commercial with a, a bunch uh, of girls <laughs> with really beautiful exfoliated skin, smiling with totally. fulfilled eyes toward totally. the camera. Can I picture young 20 somethings per- perhaps with uh, glasses, newly successful driving this uh-huh, exactly. song, <laughs> yeah. driving this song down the road at a low <laughs> APR of 2.9%. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I hear yeah. you, dude. That's when you start to blend in commerce with music and it's obviously you have to, you have to think about it at some point. It has to become a part of your world. You can't just, you know, shuffle it off to somebody else. However, in the creation, I think that it's very important to give that a hallowed space, to be able to clear yourself away from all the noise of that. And to be able to do that is, you know, a, a Sisyphusian feat, the likes of which is only compared to, say, a uh, Shaolin monk who learns how to have boards broken across yeah. his chest yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It's just time. It's just time that happens. And some people have a natural proclivity towards it. You know, that they, they kind of have a, you know, like, I'm going to do what I want kind of a thing. And that's just, you know, they're, you know, lucky them, you know? Right. Um, but, you know. But I, I guess the point of that, uh, of trying to remember that we enjoy doing these things, yeah. is that um, there is no uh, quantifiable, or uh, you know, there's no... Um, destination. Mm-hmm. There's no end at the uh, sorry board that says, you know, success. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's like, you know, you don't, you know, get a, get a record contract. Mm-hmm. You host head Muppets. Oh, you know, sign this, them up this, for a standard, standard rich, rich and, and famous, famous. contract. <laughs> <laughs> um, who is that again? That's, that's oh, that Orson Welles. Orson Welles. Yeah. yeah, that's... Sign them up for a standard rich and famous contract. <laughs> that is so awesome. Really um, yeah, but there's, but there's no, you know, so there's no, like, you know end to that you know mm-hmm. we, we have friends who have become very successful compared to us mm-hmm. you know and, and we uh, uh, no offense you no, know, no, right? none <laughs> taken come on I mean, listen, I'm a renter I know I get it <laughs> uh, but you know we, we look at uh, you know I, I first saw it when I was what, in my mid-twenties and Rachel you know got you know mm-hmm. uh uh, got signed at, you know, she was in our band and then got signed and we were oh. all like, Oh, you and know, this is Rachel Yamagata. Yamagata. Yeah. Uh, and she, you know, we were, we had been playing music together for years and she went off and did her own thing. And this band was, uh, Bumpus. Bumpus. And this is the band you were talking about circling back around for 15 years or not 15 years. Well, arguably. Yeah. Like 15 years. Wow. I, I mean, um, r- really it was like eight to 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, I sort of quit, um, we both just sort of got fed up with each other. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, now that I absolutely love everybody in the band, and those are still my best friends, and I hang out with them all the time. But um, we had a really arduous, like, mind you, take into account this is the mid to late 90s. Uh-huh. Um, and we were playing, like, funk soul music. and But we were doing really well. Yeah. Like, we were doing, uh, we, we you know, we like sell out we sold i remember the day we sold out the metro uh Ooh. in chicago which yeah. is you know we're headlining and we sold out the metro and there's a line around the block and i was like you know this is it this is you know this is all i ever wanted and um uh, you know it turns out it's not all you ever wanted to bring it back to what i was saying you yeah know, because we did that and then i was like okay what's next yeah <laughs> you know? give me more give me more yeah totally yeah. And, and of course that you know that didn't pay that paid rent for maybe you know that month mm-hmm. but that's it you know and then yeah. you know and we we're like okay what well, you know what's the next thing so that shit, point being that that just keeps going. Yeah. That you just keep having to, you know, like, you know, multi-platinum artists are like, okay, what's next? Yeah. You know? How can I, how can I beat this? How yeah. can I, not, not even how can I match it? Not can I keep this going? You just, it's a, it's a beast. So personal fulfillment obviously doesn't come from success. It comes from the, the, the portion of the work that you were doing. Now to talk about the portion exactly. of the work that you were doing. You were doing what were you playing in that band? I um I was I was sort of the utility guy. Uh-huh. Um I was uh saxophone and flute and wow. uh keyboards mm-hmm. and um some singing. Dude, being the saxophone player in a funk band has got to be like the center of the apex. It's it's pretty fun. Yeah. It uh 
A, you get to solo a lot, yeah. which is, you know, just really, you know, masturbation. But I was never that good a saxophone player is the <laughs> okay. thing. I never, like, I never wanted to be a saxophone player. Mm-hmm. I just found one mm-hmm. once and I was like, oh, this looks, you know, fun. And uh, I don't have to buy it because uh-huh. I, I have it now. So, uh, but it's, um, it, it, yeah, it was it was pr- pretty centrally focused. I also wrote me and probably I say two of the other guys probably wrote most of the music. So okay, but it was we always wanted to be you know, and like a, a funk soul band, you can you know this is at the time Dave Matthews was getting big and we kept playing like street festivals and people kept equating us and we hate it. I am sorry mm. any Dave Matthews fans out there, but I fucking hate Dave Matthews. If you want to be a funk soul band, you don't want to be compared to Dave Matthews. Yeah, exactly. Sure. It, it, it was just because, you know, we end up playing festivals and we had a saxophone player, yeah. um, mm. too. Uh, but we, uh, you know, I, we were largely into, there was, I think, I think that episode that I mentioned earlier, listening to Abbey road, it changed mm. my life. And then there was another album that changed my life, and it was called uh, it's called Fresh, and it's by Sly and the Family Stone, uh-huh. uh, who I think is one of the most underrated. Uh, like you know, people think of Stand mm-hmm. or uh, Everyday People or something, but yeah. in their later years, when admittedly he was doing lots of heroin, um, <laughs> they just became one of the rawest, mm-hmm. coolest, strangest you know bands mm-hmm. uh, out there, and. Uh, and that album sort of changed my life. I was like, wait, we, you know, this, I, if I could combine this with the Beatles, this would just be perfect. This like raw, you know, very soulful thing with, you know, melodies for days with melodies for days. But, you know, I'm white. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, you know, I can't sing like Sly Stone and, and that just breaks my heart. But, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, <laughs> it's that, that hard thing when you realize you're not going to be an astronaut. That yeah. Whole, yeah, this is I, our parents fucked us up. I love my parents to death. Mm-hmm. They're wonderful people. But their entire generation fucked our generation up by being like, "You can be anything." <laughs> and that whole "free to be you and me" shit. Did yeah. you ever have that? No, that, never had that. No. That, that, that up with people was that what that, that was? Um, it was an Alan Alda record with. Uh, it, it was like uh, Alan I, Alda? I guess I'm, I'm a little older than you, so it's um, yeah. This is probably like late seventies. Okay, um, Alan Alda and Mar- Marco Margaret. I don't remember. Yeah. Came out with an album that was called Free to Be You and Me, and it was like uplifting. And uh-huh. It was like, to a land where the river runs free, to a land. You don't know no, this? No, 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 no. no. It, was, <laughs> it was before my time. It was like all skits about like, um, one was called Timmy Wants a Doll. Uh, and like, you know. <laughs> I heard about this. Yeah. No, I actually, yeah, I forget where I, where I actually heard it from. But yeah, it was it was all to be very accepting and, and like opening up to the entire world to every kid. And- right. And it was like, you can be, you know, it was all it was all about acceptance. And when uh-huh. I was like, and, uh, you know, a big point of it was you can be anything you want to be. And I'm sorry, but you can't. <laughs> you really can't. You really just can't. <laughs> I am not going to be Michael Jordan. I mm-hmm. need several inches to my height. Yeah. And I need to be a much better basketball player (laughs) (laughs) you have a natural proclivity to it i don't know i think that you know you can be you it should be the way to say Mm. you know you can like literally you are you know you know i don't know there's obviously you know a lot of people that like to grouse about every kid gets a medal these days and in my days there were winners and were losers and it made you want to fight harder and i don't know where i land on it obviously i uh, i know i'm going to be a sucker and and just coddle my kids as much as i'll allow myself but uh yeah, with that that whole spirit of that you can be who you want to be. Like honestly, though, the, the, I'd say the majority of the anxiety that I have on a daily basis is when I realize like I'm not going to be an astronaut <laughs> because because I'll say that it's not specifically you know obviously not yeah. the astronaut thing, but yeah. I, all the things that I want you know in high school I thought for sure mm-hmm. by now I would have had. Actually, I thought by now I'd be dead, uh-huh. but but I would have before death. Blaze of glory, yeah, right? blaze. Oh. Yeah, of naturally. Yeah, naturally. wants to be old. Um, uh, I would have had you know multi platinum selling record, uh-huh. probably directed a couple movies, yeah, and you know written you know you know some life changing novel, novel or, or yeah. instructional help, self help book. Yeah, it's one of those things. So, and you would be dead. Now, what was the scenario in which you would be dead by I, now? Uh, you I know, know that's the question. Because I, I, I think I had a very similar outlook. I honestly, I wanted to probably, f- uh, for a while it was, um, do a bunch of drugs and fly a plane into the Muzak building. <laughs> but then 9-11 happened and it got a little yeah, too, a little, a little, a little too real. Ishy, yeah. <laughs> I understand. Too real. It got a little too real. 
Uh, I was like, okay, flying bu- planes into buildings, not yeah, cool anymore. Not cool anymore. <laughs> I, I watched too much James Dean movies. That's me, you know. And so I was oh, like, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just gonna, you know, get him sulk for a while, and like, and like people are gonna find me very interesting and want to be just gravitate towards me, and I'm gonna shy away from the limelight enough so that people know that I don't really, I'm not hungry for it, but I'm gonna bask in it. This weird <laughs> right, kind of push right. and pull, you know, right. that's maddening and will probably make. But me- eventually, are the cops gonna be after you? Is that where? No, no, where the- no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, kind of, you know, be text while driving and go off oh. like Bixby Canyon Bridge or something like that. I thought for sure, you know, they were at, at, in the middle of basking yeah. for this glory, doing some kind of justice that, you know, the cops just don't oh, understand. Yeah. No, I don't know. No, nothing, nothing yeah. that, I mean, way too selfish. <laughs> way too self-involved to be thinking about anybody else, man. Totally. Just wanted to just, you know, scowl and smoke my cigarettes. I looked like Jim Carrey, but I felt like I was just James <laughs> Dean. So that's the uh, yeah that's the difficulty of that. Uh, so you were in Bumpus same. and you guys started having this success, but then what happened? How did the band disseminate? Well, disintegrate, we, I should say. We were a funk band. Uh, <laughs> it was the nineties. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> wrong that's, place, wrong time. End, end of that story. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, you know the two you know two thousands came. We all started playing other stuff. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Uh, Rachel went off and did her thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, did you know pretty well at it and we we and we all sort of started individually doing our things i um i i actually went back to the hip-hop that i was doing uh-huh. and decided to start like in my late 20s i decided to start another um hip-hop act and, uh-huh. and just really just full-on nerd out yeah. like um i did that for like six months <laughs> <laughs> then petered out went <laughs> yeah you, you, was- you had that moment again you're like I'm white. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. I was like, oh, God, I, for- I forgot. <laughs> Somebody more mirrors in my house. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I got to tell you, though, I've never been better at anything or liked anything more than writing... Hip-hop? Hip-hop. Really? Yeah, writing raps. I'm, yeah, I just... Like, it turns out I'm not good at being deep. I'm really good at being quippy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, You're just a snark machine. I, exactly. Exactly. I, right. I can talk a lot of shit. Uh-huh. And, and really, that's what I'm best at. Yeah. You know, it's good to know your strengths. But, but st- you know, after doing a few shows like that and looking around and being like, yeah, I suck at this and I'm real white. <laughs> um, you know, I was like, all right. I, and I didn't start writing my own stuff until uh, probably... I don't know, five, six years ago. Writing your own um, singer-songwriter. Singer-songwriter stuff. And the only reason I ended up in the singer-songwriter genre is because, you know... I, I, if I could have one wish, it would be like to have more arms, you know, uh-huh. or to be able yeah. to, or to be able to, there's a mutant that, you know, could, could like to just duplicate himself. And yeah. I was like, that's an amazing power. Like, I just want to be able to, the only reason I did singer songwriter stuff is because I'm like, well, I, I gotta have an instrument and I gotta mm-hmm. sing something. Yeah. This is just the easy way to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, there's all kinds of programming you can do and all that kind of shit, but that's. You know, a whole other world, a dizzying amount of yeah. gear and and time and and specificity that you have to put into it, and yeah. uh, exacting uh, in a, in uh, a temporal way. Yeah. Plus, plus, I had never been into like the whole singer songwriter thing. I, then I got really into like Suffy and Stevens, and, yeah, and uh, Andrew Bird. And uh, I was like, wait, you know, these guys are sort of doing. Chris Stephen Stevens does it with an orchestra, yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> and and Enderbird's a virtuoso. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, and Tom Waits, you yeah. know, also sort of. I guess he's probably the, uh, the my biggest impetus into yeah. doing this on my own. Oh. I was like, oh wait, you know, that guy can write these you know interesting songs. And he's weird, and he doesn't care about other people, and he just does his own thing. Right. Yeah. What was the record that brought you to ha- around to him? You know, I actually, it's funny you should mention that. I think everybody who like gets into Tom Waits, if they don't like Tom Waits, is because they were shown the wrong Waits at the wrong time. Ah, uh, you know, absolutely. I, somebody showed me right when I was like feeling angsty, mm-hmm. and uh, which I guess was you know adulthood. Yeah, um, <laughs> when, it, when it came crashing into your worldview, I um uh somebody showed me Bone Machine, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. You know, it's yeah. real gritty, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and that's how. It's, if somebody had shown me like his early ballad stuff, I would have been like, ah, it's. You know, yeah, that's corny. I remember seeing um, some old tape of him on SNL um, or a, a television performance from the '70s, and immediately get kind of going, oh, I don't know who that guy is, but I'm I'm not really feeling that. And then years later, uh, I heard Rain Dogs, 
Yeah. And that was the thing that pulled me in. The yeah. Weird, kind of calliope-ridden, strange bizarreness. And uh, moving from there on to mule variations, and uh, and I, I kind of worked from there forward and then went back. And I can I, still appreciate a lot of the ballads, but personally, I'm you know, for my money, it's weird Tom Waits. I, I think Rain Dogs is probably his best yeah. work. Rain Dogs and Swordfish Trombones. Yeah. All right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Rain Dogs just... Just pound for pound. It just has, you know. Yeah. Big, big Back Mariah, um, Gun Street Girl. Time. Yeah, Gun uh, Street Girl is amazing. Yeah. Time is, oh, that's such a. Crushes, man. Yeah, crushes. Yeah. Well, things are anywhere, I lay my, anywhere I lay my head, uh, uh, my hat, I get a chills. Yeah. Every time I hear that. Yeah, song. especially the way he does it, which just sounds like a howling hobo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The whole, like, uh, the, you know, New Orleans funeral march at the end is just, uh, it's just yeah. chills. It's absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. It's arcane. It's bizarre. It's, 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 it's weird. It's voodoo. It's the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So that, that brought you into the whole thing, but you've got a lot of whimsy in your work. Um, where do you think that comes from? Define whimsy. I think you have a lot of, uh, there's, maybe it's the flute work. Maybe it's the, uh, the, um, Arpeggiation, the guitars, mm. or just the, you have a, a certain lightness in that, which, which you know, while it's you're you're basically what it sounds like to you. A lot of the tracks on your last record um, feel like there's a lot of lightness in the music and a lot of heaviness in the lyrics. Yeah, I think um, I, <laughs> uh, this may be revealing too much. I, you know, I, one trick I figured out two tricks about songwriting. Uh-huh. One is never make the lyrics sound like the music. Uh huh. Um, it's always better. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, I, did, I haven't heard that. If, 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 you know, I have really sad music and really happy lyrics, and uh-huh. then it's just even sadder. <laughs> um, or have you know really like light music and mm-hmm. really sad lyrics, and mm-hmm. then it's even sadder. I guess regardless, just make it sad. <laughs> just, is my point. Sad. <laughs> just get some sad into people, man. No, it's you know, it's uh, honestly, it's because I um, the sad lyrics. I you know that last record. There was very particular. I, I know everybody's got these stories, and these are just old. But there was very particular like big breakup that mm-hmm. you know it, it was the first time i'd ever ha- had my heart broken which you know you're supposed to have your heart broken in your like early 20s you yeah. know and i think that like sets you up for life and that mm-hmm. and i somehow managed to avoid it my entire life probably because you know i'm a narcissist who only like, <laughs> dates women that i'm gonna have no trouble with um <laughs> well i'm secretly in love with i've always considered myself i feel like i'm the mallory I'm like the male version of Mallory from Family Ties, yeah. you know. <laughs> like, like you know, give me a girl with like you know who chain smokes with lots of mm-hmm. tattoos and daddy issues, yeah. and I'm like in, yeah, you know, no, absolutely, recovering drug problem, and I'm like you know I'll propose now, absolutely, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Are you huddled in the corner crying. Well, here's a tissue. What, what are you doing on Saturday? <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. That's just like my jam, uh-huh. but um. <laughs> but you know, my whole life I've dated you know very you know yeah. straightforward. Brent Paulson is wounded bird aviary. <laughs> <laughs> totally totally and they you know always been i'm like a nice guy so mm-hmm. of course you know they they're like screw yeah. you buddy um oh. it's you know i don't i don't know yeah or or they say like you know oh you are daddy and then you yeah. go <laughs> right and they run yeah, yes and then i run away um but uh yeah i so i never had my heart broken dated this girl for i don't know three and a half years something mm-hmm. like that um um, for 12 months, 365 days. No, you know, <laughs> kidding. Uh, I, I don't exactly know how long. Anyway, uh, yeah, big breakup. I was heartbroken. Mm-hmm. And uh, first time that it ever happened to me, and I was like, oh, my God, this is why these people write these songs. Uh-huh. Like, I've been writing songs about, like, science and stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Periodic table of elements. Yeah, and- no, seriously. I Like, most of my songs were about, like, yeah, science mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and not to be too like they might be giants but mm-hmm. I, like uh I, I just didn't feel stuff about relationships and you know all that stuff's really trite you know we, yeah everybody writes about you know broken yeah. hearts and whatnot and that was the first time i'd felt it and i was like oh this is why people do i this. get it yeah yeah so i i had to get a lot of those out but then again i was trying to find angles on it that um you know uh i, I guess aren't approached very often you know mm-hmm. right um, and the, you know, the, and the, the lightness of the music is just cause I play flute and saxophone and clarinet and, mm-hmm. you know, happen to have those in the studio. And, and that's like, just what Kenny came out. Yeah. Yeah. So. The, the, the flute, the flute has a hard time being mournful, I guess. I, it does. Yeah. It the, does. The class, the, the, with the, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, maybe the Western, the, the symphonic flute. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of Native American flutes that'll just make you ball your eyes. Right, out. right. Yeah. 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 But they have to play in one play key. Those. Yeah. Well, nor, nor really should you. I mean, <laughs> in honesty, I hate to be the, this, the third time we mention it, but you're white. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Oh. I, I don't see color. Great. Um, <laughs> I don't see, great. Brent changed his name to Running Cloud. Yeah. <laughs> 
that's how I was hanging out. With I the can Hopis. play the pan flute. Yeah, the pan flute, but yeah. I'm not Ecuadorian. Yeah. <laughs> that we know of. Yes. That, that we, we know of. That we that know, we know of. of. Yes. So, what's turning your head these days, man? What do you? You've got. You're. You're. I know you're making things in the studio all the time. Yeah, I'm working on. Um, <sighs> I'm trying to write. So I'm working on a concept record mm-hmm. about planets. Speaking of songs about uh-huh. uh, um, science, did I not tell you about this? I wrote, no. So I wrote this song years back called Pluto, um, uh-huh. and I never, I never put it on a record. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, it just kept not coming up. But I wrote this song, and it was about Pluto, and it's this very sad song from Pluto to the Sun about how the chorus is, uh, you know, you keep me just. Uh, you keep me just close enough to your warmth that I can't let go, but just far enough that I'm dead and cold. Oh, you know, so it's like yeah, this is very sad lament from Pluto to the Sun. Um, and then I was like, wait, wouldn't it be cool if all the planets had their own song, like uh-huh. you know, to their like in their own social circle? So I wrote them all, pretty much. Um, Mercury's is a little um, sort of. Sh- shit kicker song about how he's better than all the planets because uh-huh. I pictured him being real small and real, you know, like a little feisty bastard. Uh-huh. Uh, Venus's is a passionate love song to uh, Mars. Uh-huh. Um, Perfect. Uh, Mars's song is actually written from the perspective of a Martian who's been waiting for for Earth people to come for just like ever. Yeah. He's like, he's like just <laughs> talking about how he's sitting there and like, you know, the, there's uh, iron oxide gathering around his feet because he's just been sitting there for, you know, decades. <laughs> and the course is, uh, the tagline is just, I'll just keep on waiting. Mm-hmm. I guess, I guess you'll get your shit together eventually. Oh, wow. And you'll come see me. Well, you know, but, what? Uh, it's so funny. All these, all these, Themes seem, can be immediately transformed into relationships. I think you're doing a genius. Exactly. Actually, I've, uh, a friend of mine, Travis, bass player in Bumpus, um, he's, he's one of those guys who's just uh, just a, a genius and like doesn't care at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just just incidentally genius. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, and you're like, man, if I you know if I had your brains, I would you know. Uh, but he's like, ah, whatever. You know, I'm gonna work and have a kid and but just be genius. Um, yeah. uh, he we used to have this band together called alphabet um <laughs> and he wrote this song about a snowman um and it was like the saddest song and it was beautiful and mm-hmm. it was like um it was talking about uh the chorus was there'll be nothing left at all and it was like you need to play with me now because i'm spring is approaching oh, and i'm about to melt heartbreaking yeah. man take yeah, that it's, frosty it's holy slowly crap springs appearing with a Quiet, dripping sound. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> yes. that's genius! And so, what? He's just being a dad with a wife, and that's yeah, it. I know. And so, he wrote this song, and I'll never forget it. it that totally changed my perspective on songwriting. Okay. I was like, ah, oh, the key is to like find the angle, mm-hmm. or you know, like songs can be so much more poignant if you know you're writing about something, yeah, uh, that's uncommon. But you know, everybody has these common yeah. themes. They tie into it with mm-hmm. you know, yeah, uh, their own emotions. Not everything just has to be about an argument in the parking lot of an Olive Garden. You know? Yeah, yeah, right. Or you know, or about drinking whiskey. And- yeah, and <laughs> or and then mentioning three ge- geographic places. <laughs> right. Driving outside of fill in name of town. Right, drinking, drinking whiskey. Drinking some kind of whiskey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, be it rye or bourbon or whatnot. <laughs> yeah, Scotch. exactly. That's so fucking true. Ryan Adams. No, oh. <laughs> wait, I, I didn't say that. I, well, I don't think that he subscribes yet. But somebody yeah. might tell him about this. Who knows? I, you know, I've never actually listened to him. Uh, I, I got to be honest. I, I I wouldn't be able to, you know, pick him out of a musical crowd. Mm. Um, but you know, I had so many friends who mm. were just huge Ryan Adams. Oh fans. no, dude, I, dude, myself included, man, I fell down the Ryan Adams yeah, hole for a long time. Absolutely, I just watched so many friends like mm. s- suddenly start talking about whiskey, mm. geographic locations, <laughs> and heartbreak, and I was like, no, I'm not going to do no, that. No, no, I'm going to. I will refuse. It will be celestial bodies yeah, and our and, totally. and bizarre concepts. Well, yeah, you know, uh, you ever do you listen to Andrew Bird much? I think oh, yeah, he, he does a great job of that. You know, oh like, no, no, like the the armchair apocrypha record. Yeah, yeah, that's great stuff. That's I I I prefer the one before that the mysterious production of eggs but uh-huh. uh, armchair apocrypha is great he's got this um uh you know scythian empires yeah which actually you know he's uh, not to get overly nerdy he's kind of mispronouncing because the c should actually be as hard <laughs> hey, c it should are. be scythian hey, um, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah. and i wonder why i'm single hey, um, no 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 there's plenty of hot nerd <laughs> girls out there they're everywhere some verifiable nerds some not and uh, and believe me i've seen the rotating 
door. I don't of, know what you're talking girls. about. I, not at all. I, I don't want to. I don't want to out you, but ladies, <laughs> be careful. He'll he'll sneak his way into your heart. <laughs> That's sadly not true. <laughs> um, or they don't see, sneak their way into mine. <laughs> oh, he's a rock. He is yeah. an island. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm trying to get my moody cred, the cred that you were t- your uh, James Dean cred. Yeah, the earlier. mope yeah. cred, man. Yeah, the mope the cred. Pope of mope, man. <laughs> but he's in that Scythian Empire song. Oh, yeah, he's just talking about you know Scythian about fallen empires mm-hmm. in the Russian steppes. Yeah. But he does it to a melody, and suddenly you're like wistful about it, and you're yeah. like, wait, why? You know, why am I being wistful? Uh, you're suddenly identifying with this idea mm-hmm. of. You know, uh, fallen empires. You know, and how things are transient. You know, yeah. and, and you know uh, things fall apart. Yeah, and he just does that by singing the word Scythian empires mm-hmm. in, a, in a certain melody. Scythian empires. That one. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, whistles like a you and know. then like a badass. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, whistles like an old Disney cartoon yeah. all over the thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, but you've been you've been doing that, but then you've also been sidelined by crazy health problems lately, right? Yeah, I had. Um, so actually, I've sort of sidelined the planetary thing because I've been writing a bunch of songs about not dying. I, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I almost died. I had um, it turns so it turns out occasionally you can get seeds and stuff stuck in your gut, uh-huh. and they can cause holes. Yeah, and then uh, actually mine was caused by a whole thing. I was born. Here's the other thing I try to remember. I almost died as a baby. Um, yeah. I had this weird thing called Hirschsprung's disease, which uh, happens to almost nobody. Mm-hmm. Probably happened to me and a guy named Hirschsprung. Lucky. Um, and uh, but they fixed me. But at, like that eventually caused this hole in my intestines, um, mm-hmm. aggravated by like you know food getting caught in there, and then I almost died. Um, yeah. But uh, luckily they found it and fixed me. But I was laid out like in bed for three months. Yeah. Yeah. In uh, and a lot of those three months in hospitals, not just like in hospitals, hanging yeah. out in your own That's bed right. in hospitals. Which I've learned two things. What's that? <laughs> three things. Um, one is that uh, Delauded is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that shit was just yeah, Whew. bananas. I was I was on after I was in such serious pain that they were giving me like I don't know gobs of Percocet every mm-hmm. four hours, like the maximum dose of Percocet wasn't affecting my pain at all. Went back into the hospital. They gave me one, two milligram shot of Dilaudid and I was like, hey, everything's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. B, I really like, the other thing I learned is I really like writing um, uh, uh, television and, huh. and so I've been writing tons of, I've written two television shows now. Wow. Um, three episodes of one television show, one episode of another. Incredible. And, and a, um, working on a feature huh. because I would, there, you have nothing but a laptop uh-huh. in the hospital and you can't move. You know, I couldn't. And plus, I was high and delighted and it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just going off and writing a ton. Turns out I love writing. Huh. Um, it's uh, probably because I haven't tried to make money doing it yet. No. Um, uh, hey, maintain that spirit of it, man. Yeah, you know, totally. like, 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 you know. Do that partition in your brain, man, you know? Yeah. 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 Just take the hard drive and go like, you know, okay, I've got this tiny manager agent guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's what I've tried to do. I don't know whether or not I'm being successful at it, but yeah. No, that's that's great. And then what's the third thing that you learned from your... Oh, it's that Burn Notice is the worst show that has ever (laughs) been made. (laughs) Oh, man. I had watched everything. Uh And that's when I decided to just start writing some more TV because I I was laid in bed and I had watched all the TV that ever existed ever. Mm -hmm. And somebody was like, dude, Burn Notice is an awesome show. So I downloaded that through, um, you know, BitTorrent. Yeah, Um, certain things. And then, uh, uh, yeah, I watched. You know, like the mm. first season, I was like, "Oh my god!" Because anything that Bruce Campbell's in, yeah, I, I'm. I was going to say, for. did he save the, save the show at all, or is it uh, uh, enough to get me through the first season? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, but it was it was really just the worst thing I'd ever seen. Good to know. Good to know. That's the thing about having thousands of choices. You know, in entertainment, is it just increases the odds for certain shows to just worm their way into your purview and make you wish you had never seen them. Yeah, I have a few of those like that. Like I, what? Oh, I, I don't know if I can actually remember offhand. I'm trying to get through this new Ricky Gervais uh, uh, Netflix. Oh, is it the one where he's uh, kind of slow? You know, that, yeah. That's what's insinuated. But I have a hard time feeling any sympathy towards Ricky Gervais as a person. So ascribing this really kind of winsome uh, uh, Forrest Gump type character to to him, whenever I see his face, I'm just waiting for him to say something snide and mean. Yeah. So I mean, he's just entrenched himself as a character yeah. himself. So I can't. 
uh, contextually um, see him outside of that. So it, it, just, I, just because you give him a bad a sweater and a weird haircut, you know, yeah, and his I, teeth get jutted forward or something like that. I, you know, I've, I've heard about this show. I, I generally like Ricky Gervais, mm-hmm. but it sounds like a like, desperate plea for an Emmy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Get, need, need a few more statues. Any shows coming up? Uh, no. <laughs> no? Uh, actually, no, that's not true. I have one on the 21st at uh, Hyperion. Mm-hmm. Um, Hyperion Public. It's going to be a small intimate. Uh, actually, uh, Austin. Uh, Broken Anchor is playing there. Awesome. On Tuesday. Cool. Um, but on the 21st of this month, I'll be playing. Um, yeah, that's a Tuesday, right? Yeah. It's 21st. Okay. Yeah. Right, just want to make sure I got uh-huh. that date right. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm uh, booking one at Hotel Cafe in November. We just haven't solidified it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to take some time off because I ne- needed to practice again after being laid up for three yeah. months. So, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's it. Well, awesome, dude. Coming up. Yeah. Hey, thanks for coming into the Shark Brand Labs. Hey, hey thanks for having me. Right on. So how about that? Brent Pulse, what an interesting, fascinating dude. Funny guy. Really got me. You can check out his stuff at brentpulse.com. Be sure to share this with your friends. Thank you so much for people who keep writing in, who keep on sharing the show, who keep on sending words of encouragement. I appreciate every single one of them, and I am going to get better about getting back to you in a more timely fashion. I'm going to become more conversive on the web. It's going to be... what I'm going to use the web for what it was meant for, which is to communicate and to connect people, not to just look up BuzzFeed all the time. I'm going to get in there, and I'm going to bring the world together, or at least my tiny slice of it. Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate it. Tune in next Monday for the next episode of Shark Brain. Love your friends, seek the truth, and be well. See ya.